This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. This episode of Get Booked is sponsored by TBR, Book Riot's new subscription service offering tailored book recommendations for readers of all stripes. If you've been dreaming of a stitch fix for books, then now it is here. You can tell TBR about your reading preferences and what you're looking for and sit back while your bibliologist handpicks recommendations just for you. TBR offers plans to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email, so there's an option for every budget. Visit mytbr.co slash treatyourshelf to sign up today. That's mytbr.co slash treatyourshelf. This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 149, and we are recording on September 17th. I'm Jen Northington, and I am here with Liberty Hardy from All the Books. Yay! Yay! Um, it's so funny. I was on vacation, and now Amanda's away. And so we've, like, it's been guest host central over here, and Amanda and I keep missing each other. But I'm so excited that you're doing this one with me. Yeah, I'm actually on vacation, too. Well, it's just that time of year, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't go anywhere. So oh. it was like, I can do it. Sure. <laughs> I, I love a staycation. I gotta say. Yeah, I'm really bad at it. I'm trying to get better. But <laughs> I get so anxious about what I'm gonna do. And then I start looking around my house. And I'm like, when is the last time I washed the bottoms of the radiators? And then it's, <laughs> it's over. I'm like, what happened? Oh, Liberty, no. <laughs> I need to leave my house. Like you. <laughs> yeah, I, it does not hurt to leave your house. Then you cannot wash the bottom of your radiators. Um, well, this is this is going to be the most galley brag section of what are you reading <gasps> yes, ever. You go first. What the, are you reading? I was thinking that same thing. I was like, it's the braggiest of galley brags. It is. Uh, so I, this very morning, just got in the mail. A Black Leopard, Red Wolf by Marlon James, which <sighs> is the first in his fantasy trilogy that is coming out next year in February, February 5th, I think. Uh, I lost my mind. It's It came in a fuzzy black slipcover. Yes. And I was just like, the pet's the precious. <laughs> and so then I was like, I want to read this right now. Oh, I have to record Get Booked. Okay, I'm really excited about that too, but oh. So as soon as we are finished, I am going to start reading this. And you have the yes. other amazing braggiest book. I do. I got on was it Friday that it came? It I was think so. I think it was Friday. Um I like had a package in the mail. I was like, oh what's this? I wasn't even expecting anything. And it was How Long Till Black Future Month by N.K. Jemison, which is a new collection of short stories which comes back out in November. And I was just like cancel all my plans, hold all my calls. Yeah. Like I will be <laughs> over here reading these short stories. So I took it to the park. The weather was nice enough that I like grabbed my little camping chair and like hustled myself down to the park after work and sat in the park and read a bunch of them and it was just the best. I posted like four times on social media about how I have this galley. Um, and it's interesting because I have, so I back her on Patreon um, 
And I think I read one of these stories there. One of them was familiar to me. It could also have been maybe previously collected. I'm not sure. But there's this whole great introduction from her about like how she never actually w- thought she should or could write short stories. And now, like lo and behold, um, and and she talks about like her writing process a little bit. So the introduction was like also just amazing and then of course the stories are fantastic so yeah it's it's real good you're gonna want to get your hands on that when it comes out in november of this year so we don't have that long to wait no it wasn't a long wait between the announcement and and its actual publication i think they just mentioned it at the end of july but it's also worth noting i'm sure you've said it before but let's say it again she is the first author to win the hugo award for fiction three years in a row Yes, and the first one to do it for a trilogy, like all the books in the trilogy. She's so she's yeah. amazing. She's so great. Um, okay, cool. So we'll we'll stop bragging now, <laughs> <laughs> and we'll start recommending because, as I said at the top, this is a reading recommendation show, which means you send us questions about what you should read next, uh, what your book club should read next, what you should get for your cousin or nephew or aunt or grandma or whoever, um, and we will do our best to find good recommendations for you. You can send. Send us them via email. It's getbooked at bookriot.com. Or you can drop them in the form that's at the bottom of the show notes on the site for every episode. If you have a time-sensitive question and you're hoping to get the response back by a certain date, please do note that either in the subject line of the email or like all caps at the top of the form. Uh, We do our best to get to them, but sometimes it's not always possible or we'll miss it if you sort of bury it in the first paragraph. So please, please, please put it at the top. Um, If we don't think we're going to get it, to get to it on air, we will maybe send you an email response. So keep an eye out for those. I think that is all our housekeeping. So I'm going to read our first question and then Liberty is going to tell us about our first sponsor and away we will go. The first question is from Anna who says, I really love the Aubrey Maturin series by Patrick O'Brien. I love their feel. Maybe you could recommend something with a similar feel. Friendship and a great cast of characters and not just action, but also domestic things and hobbies and maybe some gentle humor. I would also love to find a book with a badass character such as the main protagonist of the Imperial Raj series by Anne Leckie. Well, our first sponsor today is Upgrade Soul by Ezra Clayton Daniels. For their 45th anniversary, Hank and Molly Nonard decide to undergo an experimental rejuvenation procedure, but their hopes for youth are dashed when the couple is faced with the results. In Upgrade Soul, McDuffie award-winning creator Ezra Clayton Daniels asks probing questions about what shapes our identity. Is it the capability of our minds or the physicality of our bodies? Is a newer, better version of yourself still you? Upgrade Soul is in stores now from Lion Forge. And he is the winner of the 2017 Dwayne McDuffie Award for Diversity in Comics. So that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I really want to read this. I had this on my list. I haven't read it yet. But it's coming out uh, on the 18th, which will be this week. I don't that's... know. I'm on vacation. I don't know what day it is. <laughs> so that's Upgrade Soul by Ezra Clayton Daniels. Thank them for sponsoring. Yes, thank you. Um, That's great. Love it. Okay, so let's see. I really like this question because I am also a fan of those books by Patrick O'Brien. They are really fun. And I decided to sort of combine these requests and give you 
a badass female character in a book that I think does have a similar feel, although it sounds like it's out of left field, but I swear. Um, it's <laughs> Bannerless, which is the first book in the Bannerless saga by Carrie Vaughn. I just read this book recently and I'm a little bit obsessed with it because it is a sort of like it's a murder mystery. It takes place in like a near future after a huge like environmental and economic collapse. Um and it sounds like it would be like really bleak and dark, but it's somehow magically not. Um, the main character, Enid, is an investigator um, who are sort of like, it's not really a, a direct comp to law enforcement, but what the investigators do is they're sort of mediators for communities who can't resolve their own problems. And the way the world is organized in this future is that like, you know, the environment has kind of like the, like there's, uh, you know, storms and the coastlines have receded and basically all of the infrastructure of the United States has collapsed, but people have managed to sort of carve out self-sufficient communities. And there's um, like population control, like really strict population control. Control. So in your community, you can only have a baby or attempt to have a baby after you've set up a household of, a, of four adults um, and then like applied and like proven that you can take care of it. And then your community will issue you a banner, which is why the book is called Bannerless. Um, and so sometimes like people have babies without a banner or sometimes like people are fighting over like land use or whatever. And so the investigator's job is to mediate things that can't otherwise get mediated. And Enid get called, gets called in on like an actual like suspicious death, which is very rare. Um, and, so you're getting her and her uh, partner investigating that, which has a, like a little bit of like a buddy cop feel to it, which I think the Aubrey Matron books have a little bit of. And then you're also getting sort of the story of how she became an investigator, which is her coming of age and first love. And she heads out on the road from her community in the past storyline with this guy that she falls in love with. Um, so you get these like two different sort of adventure stories and they are like, it's, it's a weird to call it dystopia gentle, but it kind of is like, there's not a lot of melodrama. It's much more about the characters and their personal growth in the context of this world. Um, than it is about like big plot pyrotechnics. Like it's just, it's just so, I just loved it. Um, and there is a second book in the series that's out already. So if you like the first one, there's a little bit more and then more coming. So again, that is Bannerless by Carrie Vaughn. I worked under the assumption that Anna has read A Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers. Right. And if Anna has not read that, that you have talked about it a million times. A million billion. <laughs> Which would be a really great recommendation for, like, a great cast of characters and friendship and all that. I kind of just went straight for the badass character aspect, um, because I cannot talk enough about the Murderbot Diaries by Martha Wells, the first being All Systems Red. Murderbot is the most badass character I've read. And not only that, but also I think they're the funniest books I have read. There's four novellas. Uh, three of them are already out. The fourth one comes out, I think, in October. They're fantastic. And Murderbot is, it, it's set in the future because we don't actually have murder bots that, you know, the government has shown us. Uh, so it's said in the future, murder bot is a security unit that is supposed to just go with people, like, off planets and on missions and stuff and act as their security. But murder bot is self-aware. It has hacked their own system. And they're so funny. Like, the, the people around them don't know that murder bot is self-aware. Uh, but they just want to marathon watch shows and sit in their bunk and it's so funny because they have they also have sort of like feelings it's kind of like a satire about humans because murderbot like makes fun of 
people's feelings and the things that they do, but at the same time, they kind of care about what they're doing and the people that they're protecting. Um, but also has, you know, weapons in its arms and can just beat up anybody when needed. Uh, my favorite line comes from the third book in which Murderbot ha is kind of the default security on a transport system and is separating some people and says, if you bother her again, I'll break every individual bone in your hand and arm. It will take about an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and like, you know, Murderbot is not kidding about this. Uh, so I highly recommend them. They're so funny. I know, Jen, you read the first one. Yes, loved it. It just won the Nebula? Or it won it a Hugo. Hugo. Yeah, it won or, a Hugo, or novella. yeah. It's so good. So again, that's All Systems Read by Martha Wells. Nice. <gasps> it's my it's turn. It's your turn. I, forgot, <laughs> I already forgot how this worked. I'm like, Jen's in charge. <laughs> okay, question two. Hello there. I have recently been picking up a few cozy mysteries, and I'm finding that I really enjoy the idea of these murder mysteries where nothing truly terrible happens aside from the murder. I was wondering, though, do you have any recommendations for cozies that have younger protagonists? I picked up Death by Dumpling on Liberty's recommendation on her show and really liked it. Bonus points if it's bookish. So cozy mysteries with protagonists in their 20s or so. Thank you so much. I love the show. Ashley. Well, this Liberty person sounds really smart. Uh, uh, I was just going to say, I did not intentionally assign you to read nice things about yourself, but I'm not sad that I did. Um, I picked A Trifle Dead for this book, which is by Livia Day. It's the first in the Café La Femme series. Um, and this was recommended to me by a friend named Karen, who w just nailed it when I was like, oh, Karen, I just need, I need some cozies. And she was like, oh, you're going to love this. And I did. Um, it is about a young woman named Tabitha Darling, who is a pastry chef. Um, she runs a cafe and is like always inventing these like wacky desserts. Um, and flirts with like you know the different like there's a cop that stops by that she like totally flirts with all the time um and you know generally has like a pretty normal-ish life um but there she lives in like this apartment building that's like the cafe is on the bottom floor and then there's um apartments on the top and then there is a dead person found in uh the flat upstairs um and she uh sort of gets of course as happens sucked into the investigation um and she like she's really it's it's just so fun because she's super gossipy um and so you get this very and you're like seeing it from her viewpoint so it's it's just really fun and she's also like having inappropriate makeouts with like random dudes um and like thinking about desserts and it's just I don't know it's just delightful uh and so yeah I highly recommend it I haven't read the other books in the series yet not because I didn't want to but just because I have no time for anything um but I definitely hope to pick them back up again someday. So again, that is A Trifle Dead, um, which is the first in the Café La Femme series by Livia Day. I love that most characters, most of the main characters in Cozy Mysteries, own a business. Yes! It just, it just seems like they have a tea shop or a coffee house or a bookstore or, you know, some kind of, like, a yarn store. I just you love that so they're all right. business owners. It's great. Yeah. Um, my pick is Homicide in Hardcover by Kate Carlisle which I read in 2009 when it came out, so I might be a little fuzzy on the details. But it's about a woman named Brooklyn Wainwright, 
and she is, she works on books. She uh, restores old books, and she goes to meet with the, her mentor, the guy that taught her how to do this, Abraham, and she finds him lying in a pool of his own blood, and he gives her a copy of Faust and says, you know, something cryptic to her and dies. And basically, like, they find her, you know, there with... And they're like, well, you killed this guy. And she's like, no, no, I swear I found him like this. And he gave me this book. I didn't take it. But, you know, now, you know, she's accused of murder. So, of course, there's a, a handsome cop because there's always, you know, a, a cute <laughs> cop. Um, and she needs to clear her name. And it's awesome. And it, she talks about books. And there's 13 in the series now. The the 13th one just came out, I think, in June. Um, I've only read the first one. But I have 12 more to look forward to. Nice. <laughs> but uh, it's really fun. So I recommend it. It's Homicide in Hardcover by Kate Carlisle. I totally want to read that. Uh, I love a good bookish cozy mystery. I have it around here somewhere. I could probably mail it to you. Oh, I love Liberty Mail. Okay. <laughs> Next question is from Sean, who says, I am a photographer and will be traveling to Kuala Lumpur for a photo festival in October. I would love to find some good books based in Malaysia to read prior to and during my trip. I usually read fiction, but I love nonfiction as well, especially Bill Bryson-esque travel writing. I'm not very picky about what I read, but would prefer something that isn't too much of a love story. My favorite range from Harry Potter to The Martian to Fahrenheit 451. So fantasy slash sci-fi slash magical realism are definitely up my alley, but I love a good mystery or realistic drama also. I know Malaysia is a fairly small country, so I will also accept books based in Singapore, Thailand, or the other small Asian countries surrounding Malaysia, but Malaysia-based books would be preferred. All right. Um, so I am reading this one right now. It is Evening is the Whole Day by Preeta Samarasan, and it is set in Malaysia. I like... I was excited that I found one that actually set in the country you were asking for. Um, and it is a family drama that does have a touch of magical realism, which is like a thing that I love. And it sounds like you are definitely up for. Um, and the book kind of starts from a incident where the family, which is very well off, um, dismisses a servant for like a crime that no one will say exactly what it is, but you know that it was somehow related to the death of um, the grandmother. Um, and there's a six-year-old in the household, Asha, who is just like very... <laughs> Like the her world is basically being upset. The servant is being dismissed. Her grandmother has died, and now her older sister Uma is leaving for Columbia University. Um, and she is just like, and also she can see ghosts, right? There, so and they live in this big old fancy house, and it is populated with ghosts that now include her grandmother. Um, so the thing I want to say about this book is that it is written in close third person and it moves around the narrators quite a lot. And some of these narrators are really prejudiced and have terrible opinions. And so you are like, because you're sort of in their heads, you're hearing these sort of unvarnished opinions, but then you like move to a different person and you see their perspective. So I, like, I, I would not I, just some of the characters have are, are racist or misogynist. Like that, that is a thing. So if you're particularly sensitive to reading about that from the viewpoint of such a person, you might want to skip it. Um, but I, I'm really compelled by the different characters. I mean, obviously some of them are totally unlikable. Um, but then you don't spend too much time with any one person, so then you get on to more interesting or more different characters. Um, and it's definitely 
like has some real darkness to it. I, I cannot, I'm not done yet, so I could not tell you what exactly trigger warnings are, but there is some mentions of child abuse um, for one of the servants. So it, it's probably going to get a little bit darker is my guess, but I, it's so well written and the setting is so beautifully portrayed and you can really see all of the different class and race structures at play. And then of course you're getting this sort of family drama. So I'm really digging it so far. Um, it's Evening is the Whole Day by Preetha Samarasan. My pick is really heavy, but it's beautiful. I read it when it came out, I think, in 2012, so um, I'm a little hazy on the details. It's one of those things about getting old. <laughs> but it's uh, The Garden of Evening Mists, which was the winner of the Man Asian Booker Prize. Uh, I researched how to say his name and could not find a single person who agreed, so I'm going to do my best. The author is Tan Twang Ung. And it's a lovely story set in Malaya in 1951. There is a young woman named Yunling, and she has uh, left a Japanese wartime camp. And she's sort of hiding out in the highlands, and she discovers this amazing garden, like this beautiful Japanese garden. And she meets the gardener, who is Eritomo. He's the exiled former gardener of the Emperor of Japan. And she's not really keen to be friends with anyone from Japan because, you know, she's obviously, she has a lot of horrible memories and she's she's terribly upset about her experience. Um, but she wants to create a garden in the memory of her sister and she wants Eritomo to teach her how to do that. Um, but says that, he, he says no, but says that she can be his apprentice until the monsoon comes. Um, and then she's on her own. So she kind of learns about him and about his art and, you know, we find out like why did did Aritomo leave Japan and you know you learn about what happened to her during the war. So like I said it's really it's really hard. It's a hard read because of the subject matter, but it's very beautiful. So again that is The Garden of Evening Mists by Tan Tuan Ong. And your turn again. My turn. Yeah I'm just not gonna get this down apparently. Okay. <laughs> One of my favorite movies is Amelie. Mine too. I was wondering if you two know of any similar books. I don't need or even necessarily want the book to have the same kind of plot, but I'm more interested in the atmospheric quirkiness that Amelie captures so perfectly. Bonus points if the book is in France because I'm a bit of a Francophile, but location doesn't actually matter all that much to me from Anon. I also love Amelie. I haven't watched it in years. Oh, now, this so is good. making me want to rewatch it. Um, Can I just say, like, what indie bookseller hasn't worked in a store where the Amelie soundtrack plays? Oh my gosh, you're so correct. <laughs> it's like required. <laughs> it is basically required. You are not wrong. Um, okay, I don't have a France book for you. I have a retold Senegalese myth. Um, because I was thinking so hard about this. Um, and I was like, oh, what is, like, because you're so right, there is a very specific sort of quirky atmospheric feeling to that movie that's, like, kind of irrelevant to the actual plot or setting. And so I picked Redemption in Indigo by Karen Lord, which I have talked about on the show before, but not for a little while, so there. Um, <laughs> and it's so good, and it does exactly have that sort of, whimsical adventure feel that Amelie has and it's like it's a little bit sweet and it's like a little bit you know a little bit satirical and it's it's got an amazing female main character so I think you're I think it's gonna capture what you want um 
It is about a young woman named Pama whose husband is kind of an idiot. Like he, he, no, he's not kind of an idiot. He's a real idiot. Um, and he's greedy and he's just kind of the worst. And, um, she leaves him and he follows her back to her home village. Um, and now he's like doing stupid things like, you know, stealing corn and like killing animals. And she's just like, ugh, I'm so done with you. Um, and in the course of her sort of trying to leave him, she attacks, attracts the attention of these supernatural beings called the Jombi who give her unbeknownst to her a, a gift called the chaos stick which allows her to manipulate the like the world a little bit and she just thinks that she's like oh I'm gonna use this to bake and like bakes things with it um and so now her food is like imbued with special powers um and then there's a Jombi who who thinks that he should have the stick. And so she's sort of dealing with like both real life annoyances and supernatural adventures. And it is, it's just such a fun read. And the way Karen Lord wrote this book is in a very sort of almost like an oral storytelling style because it is based on a folktale. And so it, it feels really conversational and it just sucks you right in. And I just got totally lost in it. I've reread it a bunch. I just love it. So that's Redemption in Indigo by Karen Lord. This question was really hard. I don't know why. Like I had a really <laughs> hard time trying to come up with an answer. So in the end, I took the easy way out and went with The Elegance of the Hedgehog by Muriel Barbary, which is translated by Allison Anderson, um, which is a lovely novel. Novel from I think I said novel. That's an interesting word. <laughs> <laughs> out from Europa Books, who I love, came out. I don't know, like seven, eight years ago, and it's so fantastic. It's set in Paris, so yay for that, and it takes place in a hotel. It's about some people who live in this hotel, including the concierge, Renee, who is, you know, sort of people, one of the people that the people in the building overlook because she's, quote unquote, the help, so they don't really pay much attention to her, um, but she is actually uh, seriously brilliant and interesting and so much fun. And there's a 12-year-old girl. Uh, what What is her name? I can't remember. Oh, Paloma. And she has decided that life is meaningless and, you know, there's no point to it. So she's going to take her own life when she turns 13. But in the meantime, she's just going to hang around the building and pretend like, you know, everything is great. And they become friends. And she's a super pretentious kid, but she's, you know, really fun. And then someone moves into the building who will change both their lives. I don't want to give too much away, but it's really charming. And like I said, it takes place in France. So I get bonus points for that, right? <laughs> Are we keeping score? I, yeah. <laughs> no. And so it's, it's really great. I'm, I don't like to say these things, but I'm going to say anyway. I didn't really like the sequel, like the follow-up. But maybe some people do. Um, but I did love this one. So it's The Elegance of the Hedgehog, and it's by Muriel Barbary. Nice, nice. I definitely thought of that one. But then I got Maybe distracted. Like, I got distracted by Karen Lord. <laughs> no, way to go. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Question five is from Rhiannon, who says, I'm looking for chapter books slash longer picture books to read to my three-year-old son. I'm And I think this question is like a year old, so he's possibly four now. Um, <laughs> I'm partway through listening to the early kid recommendation episode. My husband read The Hobbit aloud. And when Toby asked for a reread, he essentially wanted the scenes 
where they were eating dinner. This is like the cutest thing I've ever heard. Um, we So he wanted the less scary things. We recently read and enjoyed the Mrs. Noodle Kugel series. We read the Thomas and Friends original books slash stories. And we are currently in our Cars phase. We have not yet read the Princess in Black series. I have the Wild Robot from the library, but I'm thinking of pre-reading some to see if that's right. He has a decent attention span, but after The Hobbit, I want to make sure we're more level appropriate. Word, because those spiders in The Hobbit freaked me right the hell out when I was a kid. Like, I am still afraid of spiders, and I'm not sure that, like, Tolkien is not to blame for that. Um... But my mom read it to us and, like, did all the voices of the dwarves and stuff and, like, we sang the songs. So I have a lot of good memories of reading The Hobbit at also an inappropriately young age. Um, Thanks, Mom. So (laughs) my pick for you is The Phantom Tollbooth by Norton Juster, illustrated by Jules Pfeiffer. This book I actually somehow never read as a kid. It's, like, a classic. Um, I think it was first published in the 60s and... It is so lovely. I read it as a bookseller because I got shamed by a coworker. Who was I was like, just, I can't believe. I know what that is. <laughs> oh, yeah, Stephanie totally shamed me into reading The Phantom Tollbooth as a grown-up, and I am not sad about it. I have, I'm thankful that she did because it's so great. Um, it's about a little boy named Milo or Milo. I think it's probably Milo, who thinks everything is boring. He's just bored all the time. And then one day, a toll booth mysteriously appears in his room, and he drives through it in his little, like, pretend car because he's got nothing better to do. And then he's on this whole adventure, um, and the book is full of wordplay and, like, silliness, and there there are, like, some very mildly scary points, but it's definitely less scary than The Hobbit. And it is written very much for children like deliberately written for kids um in the way that like I think I would say even a little less I think it's less scary than the Narnia books as well but it has a little bit of that like British British fantasy for kids feel to it um and it's yeah it's just so fun and I I do think the jokes are particularly fun and little kids love wordplay and like silly words so I think that will really appeal to your son um and everybody should read it whether or not you are a grown-up everybody should read this one it's just it really is a classic so that's The Phantom Tollbooth by Norton Gister. I actually read a book recently that I thought would work perfectly. It's Knights vs. Dinosaurs by Matt Phelan. <laughs> right? Like, do you need to know anything else? I mean, I was just going to say, I'm sold. <laughs> yeah. It's really cute. It's a it's a middle grade novel, but it's, like, for young and of middle grade. And it's heavily illustrated, so it kind of breaks up any scariness that there might be if people are afraid of dinosaurs. Um, but it's about the Knights of the Round Table. And they're bored. Both our books are about characters oh, who yeah. are bored. They don't really have a lot to do. Like, there's a lot of pomp and circumstance about around being a knight of the round table, but you don't really have anything to do. So uh, the king sends them out to get the most terrible lizard of all, this awful dinosaur. Or not the king, the Merlin sends them out. Um, and so they're just, they're ridiculous, and it's really funny, and they just get into all kinds of strange situations, um, and the dinosaurs aren't really scary. And also, at the end of the book, he mentions that some of the dinosaurs portrayed in the, in the book were not alive at the same time, which I think is hilarious, because (laughs) people were not alive at the same time as dinosaurs either. Um, but it's really fun. This was pitched to me as Monty Python for young middle school readers, so I was immediately sold. But on the cover, it says it's perfect for readers of The Wild Robot by Peter Brown. So apparently we're on the same wavelength picking these books um, because 
uh, they just picked up the wild robots. So uh, it is called Knights vs. Dinosaurs. It's rad, and it's by Matt Phelan. Nice. And it's my turn to read the question. No, no, wait. I have to do our <gasps> sponsor. I messed it up again. <laughs> <laughs> You're too good this time. Our second sponsor, and I'm excited to share this one with y'all, um, is Mercy Suarez Changes Gears by Meg Medina, the amazing and fabulous Meg Medina. This is her new middle grade novel, and it is a coming of age story about, as you might have guessed, Mercy Suarez. She has never been like the other kids at her private school in Florida because she and her older brother, Rolly, are scholars students. They don't have a big house or a fancy boat, and they have to do extra community service to make up for their free tuition. So when bossy Edna Santos sets her sights on the new boy, who happens to be Mercy's school-assigned sunshine buddy, Mercy becomes the target of Edna's jealousy. And things aren't going well at home either. Her grandfather and most trusted ally, Lolo, has been acting strangely lately. So in this coming-of-age tale, which is full of humor and wisdom, Meg Medina gets to the heart of the confusion about, oh, excuse me, the heart of the confusion and constant change that defines middle school and the steadfast connection that defines family. As you probably know, Meg Medina is a winner of awards, including the Pura Belpre Author Award. Um, and this is one of those great multi-generational author book or family books that we all love. It also deals with dementia. So if you, that is a thing that your family is struggling with and you're looking for a book for your kids that will help them with it, this is definitely a great choice. Um, Meg herself is Cuban-American, and this is about Cuban-American characters, so it is an own voice book. It is just... It's just Meg Medina being awesome some more. So, again, that is Mercy Suarez Changes Gears by Meg Medina. Okay, now it's your turn. Yay! Question number six comes from Michelle. Hello, ladies. Thank you so much for doing this podcast. She really means you and Amanda. It's it's not aimed at me, but I'll take some of the credit. Thank you, Michelle. Uh, thank you so much for doing this podcast. I have read so many new books because of your recommendations. I'm looking for new books for my husband. He's enjoyed The Radium Girls by Kate Moore, Packing for Mars by Mary Roach and various YA nonfiction titles like Red Bandana and books on Jack London. His reading time is limited, so shorter books that aren't too dense would be ideal. He likes history, adventure, and booze. Any recs would be greatly appreciated. And if you have time, my son is nine and will only read graphic novels. He loves Doug Tennapel and Dav Pilkey. It's Dave Pilkey, isn't it? I always want to say Dav because there's no e I on do it. too. I get that one <laughs> wrong every time. It's Dave Pilkey. Any other age-appropriate authors we could binge read? He's read Amulet and Bone and enjoyed both. Thank you so much for your time. I love your show and can't wait to hear what you come up with. All right. I decided to take the request for graphic novels for nine-year-olds and am happy to recommend Astronaut Academy by Dave Roman. It is a series and it is, as you might guess, about kids who go to school in outer space. Um, there are two books in it and the illustration style is so fun. Um, it's like a little bit influenced by anime, I think. So if that's a thing that your kid likes, then they will definitely like this. Um, the main character's name is Hakata Soi. And and he is a former space hero, kid space hero, who is trying to just like be incognito and just go to school and be normal. Um, but things are not going so great at the academy. The most popular girl in school has it in for him and his best friend won't return his calls. And his new roommate is a total jock who only cares about fireball. Um, but he just has to try to make it work. 
And then a robot doppelganger is coming to kill him. So things, high stakes, lots of things. Um, there is a dinosaur fight in this book that is just like fantastic. Um, and the whole thing is so much fun. And it is, it's like a school story. It's a space story. It's a superhero story. It's got all of the things. And I think it's really entertaining. And it sounds like something that your boy would really like. Um, slash everybody who likes graphic novels should read this one. It's just so fun. Um, um, so again, that's Astronaut Academy. The first one is Zero Gravity, and that is by Dave Roman. And I took the other part of the question. Can you imagine if we were both like, no, we're not going to answer that part. Because <laughs> I, I love a good graphic novel. But um, I also love to talk about this book uh, as much as possible, whenever possible. Uh, so it is The Poisoner's Handbook, Murder and the Birth of Forensic Medicine in Jazz Age, New York by Deborah Blum. Um, because it's about history, it's nonfiction, and it's about booze. Poisonous booze. Ooh. Yeah, it's a, it's basically about how, in the 1920s, scientists finally figured out a way to detect poison in things. Up until that time, which is kind of scary if you think about it, they had no way of really finding out if people were poisoned or what happened to them. For instance, uh, one of the men who was thought to be Jack the Ripper, he died of arsenic poisoning, and his wife went to jail for a very long time for that crime, because they were like, well, she must have poisoned him. And then they found his diaries where he was like, I like to put arsenic on my gums. And they were like, oops, sorry, you can go now. <laughs> like, they, they had no way to test and be like, how is this getting in his system? How much has he had? You know, it's stuff like that. So in the 1920s, when alcohol was outlawed, it was prohibition, people were making their own alcohol and dying in huge numbers because that's a bad idea. Um, and it's about, like, how... Not only they, they, she talks about like the different things that happen to those people that do that, um, how they tried to regulate that, and also just poisons in general. Because like I said, you know, your husband could be licking wallpaper paste and die, and you would have gone to jail before that because they wouldn't have known that there was arsenic in wallpaper paste. Um, this is a really dark subject that I'm discussing. As I'm saying it out loud, I'm like, huh. Um, but it's so much fun. And it reads, it's like 336 pages. It reads so quickly. There was a PBS uh, documentary made about it, I think in 2014. Um, it reads like fiction. You're just like, holy cats the whole time. It's one of those books where I said, listen to this like 50,000 times to whoever was around me because it's so interesting. So again, it's called The Poisonous Handbook, Murder and the Birth of Forensic Medicine in Jazz Age, New York by Deborah Blum. I'm just still cracking up about licking wallpaper <laughs> Well, I think, like, that's, like, an example from the book. The Jack the Ripper thing just came from the back of my head, which is scary. <laughs> that is. I, your brain is a really interesting place. Let's just call it that. Um, okay, our last question is from Becca, who says, I'm looking for books, fiction or nonfiction, to learn more about the trans community and gender fluidity. I, I'm not trans or gender fluid myself, and so don't know much about either of these communities. Nonfiction explaining the science of the transition process or the ideas of gender would be great. I'd also be interested in a memoir of someone who has transitioned or experiences gender fluidity. I'm open for whatever fiction you'd suggest as well. Thanks. All right, cool. So I just want to throw out, um, because this is a thing that people who are not familiar don't necessarily know, that... Um, you, there, the asker references the transition process, and I think a lot of people don't realize that the transition process doesn't necessarily involve surgery. Um, like people transition in all different kinds of ways, um, and I think there's this very popular notion that like everybody who's trans has had surgery of some kind, and that is not true. So that's just like a note for everybody um, to know about that. Um, and I picked a memoir for you. Uh, it's Redefining Realness by Janet Mock, who is amazing. She's so smart and interesting 
interesting. Um, and she, you may have heard of her. She is very like famous. Um, and she is a trans woman who wrote an amazing piece for, um, well, she was profiled by Marie Claire. Um, and she was a people.com editor. And so she's like very well positioned to sort of be a voice for the trans community. Um, and she is African-American as well. So you get like her perspective on being young and being, you know, uh, multicultural and there's also class issues um, because she didn't come from a family with a lot of money. Um, I will say that this book comes with a trigger warning for child abuse. She's gone through some very deeply difficult situations and her transition was really hard. Um, She like just didn't have resources or anybody to really understand or help her. Um, But she emerged like triumphant and is just, again, like an amazing human. So I think this is a definite must read if you're looking for a starting place. Um, And you can also Google her and she's written like tons of op-eds and is just really super smart and amazing to read. So again, that is Redefining Realness by Janet Mock. I want to mention a book that I have not read but has been on my TBR list forever. And so I actually got it from upstairs and brought it down so I can read it sooner because this question reminded me that I had it. It is Being Jazz, My Life as a Transgender Teen by Jazz Jennings. Jazz Jennings was named one of the 25 most influential teens of the year by Time Magazine, and this is her story, her transgender journey, she calls it, and it's it's supposed to be very inspiring uh, for younger people who are experiencing the same things that she did. She is one of the most prominent voices in the national discussion about gender identity um, and transitioned to life as a girl at the age of five with the support of her parents. Uh, and so she went, and then when she was six years old, she talked to Barbara Walters about it. So she's another prominent person in the trans community. Uh, and now she's 13, 14, I think. Um, and she talks about, you know, what it's like to be, what it's like to be a transgender teen and how, you know, supportive her family has been and what it means, you know, when people don't understand it and how it feels to be raised uh, with unconditional love and her support for other, other uh, kids who are going through the same thing. So, again, that is called Being Jazz, My Life as a Transgender Teen by Jazz Jennings. And that's our show. Hooray. <laughs> um, thank you again, Liberty, so much for joining us. Where, You're welcome. Where are all the places people can find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Miss Liberty, and you can find me on Litzy at Liberty, and on Instagram at Franzen Comes Alive. <laughs> Still my favorite of your many names. <laughs> um, and I am on Twitter and Tumblr as Jen IRL. It's Jen with two N's IRL. Thank you so much to today's sponsors for making the show possible. And if you liked what you heard, please do leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other folks to find the show, and we love to see your feed back and I think that's it so we'll talk to you next time hooray